Well, welcome, and I want to welcome all of our visitors today. Um, I will just let you guys know you're coming into the very last um, sermon that I am sharing on the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, I'll try to keep you guys up to speed um, with things that we've talked about, you know, in the last several months. Um, So hopefully, um, you know, we can all get on the same page with that. But we are going to be looking at... um, chapter 7, and we're going to be covering verses of Matthew and um, covering verses 13 through the end of the chapter. And a little bit of an overview of what we've talked about so far. So we've talked about how in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts with a blessing to his people. And then we move into a calling to his people, which is we are called to be the light of the world. We are called to make a difference with everyone we touch and we contact. And then he talks about we are being transformed because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and from the inside out, he changes us, and that affects every aspect of who we are. So that is going to be most of chapter 6. And then in chapter 7, he starts to talk about life is messy, and we have, you know, yes, we are changed, yes, all these things, but, you know, it's hard to live, you know, we are, by nature, wanting to pick splinters out of, you know, our brother's eye, we're wanting to be critical, and that he calls that side of um, of who we are and what we have to deal with out. And today, we're going to be wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount with um, this idea of there are no shortcuts. And I was just struck by that. And I was drawn to a couple stories and illustrations we're going to use because one of the interesting things to me is Jesus teaches with illustrations and stories. So today I'm going to try to walk with you um, through some personal illustrations and stories, and then also, um, you know, just some stories in general. But I want to start with a little pill. So I don't know if you all can see, and this is not the pill that is in this story. This is um, a vitamin. But when I was 16 or 17, I remember reading about diet pills. And you would take a pill, and you would take a couple pills, and suddenly, miraculously, you would start to lose weight. And there were these testimonies of these people who took the pill and six months later had lost weight, and they continued to lose weight. Well, there were a lot of different ones of these. Some of them may have worked, some of them may not have. But the one that got a lot of press was the one that it really seemed to work. And one day, somebody opened the pill up, and there was a bunch of little brown balls in it. They're like, well, that's strange. Well, they did a little bit more research, and they found out that in that pill were tapeworm eggs. And so, yes, it was helping people lose weight. But there were some serious consequences. Um, 
you had tapeworms. And it was actually making people sick and potentially killing them. So needless to say, this pill, at least hopefully, is no longer on the market. But, um, you know, not a great way to lose weight. Well, Jesus talks about here in this passage that there's going to be a lot of easy ways to do things. There's going to be some hard ways to do things that also aren't following him. But he discusses what it looks like to be a Christian. So, with, with that, I want to get to our text today. And I'm going to be reading the whole text. I always like to do that. Just I feel like it, it's always good to hear it in its entirety, and then we'll break it down into smaller pieces. So, starting at verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so... Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven." Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hear these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock, and the rain descends, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rains descend, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. And so it was that when Jesus has ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one with having great authority and not as the scribes. So a beautiful passage that one of the things I love about it is there's kind of repetitiveness in, um, in you know, the teachings where Jesus comes at it from one angle and then kind of comes at it from another, and it just kind of drives home home these general ideas. So I want to start with looking at verses one or 13 through 14. And I really like how Luke, in Luke 13, it's a little bit different passage, but um, it's a very similar idea. And that's um, 
Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And what I want to point out here is the word strive. So um, in Matthew, it uses the word difficult um, in some of those terminologies, but the word strive has the idea of it's an ongoing hard thing. So if I have a heavy weight and I pick it up one time, I've done that. That's something that is, you know, one and done. It's hard, but it's not ongoing. If I am walking up a very long, steep mountain, and I am doing that for hours and hours and hours, that's striving. It's an ongoing thing. And that is the picture that we get here. Um, and he also gives this idea of a narrow gate. And I have a second story that I hope the children can kind of get a little bit more. So we are in the process of buying a recliner. So how many of you have ever gotten a big piece of furniture to your house? Have you ever had that happen, Judah? And did your dad have to carry it in the door? Yeah. So we all have this image of getting a big piece of furniture in our house. And so Jess and I, for those of you who have not been to our house, we live in a row house that has four steps that go up to a kind of a little flat yard, and then a little pathway, and we have four more steps that go up to a little porch, and then we have a small front door, and then our house. Well, and then there's a little hallway, and you know, there's also stairs that go up to the upstairs. So when we, one of the things that just, we need this piece of furniture because we have a baby coming, and we don't really have anywhere downstairs that we can sit and rock a baby. And Jess has been looking at these recliners and finding ones that she likes and this and that. But in the back of my mind is the fact that I'm going to have to carry this recliner up a set of stairs. And not just one set of stairs. I'm going to have three obstacles to go through. I'm going to have that first set of stairs, and then I'm going to have the second set of stairs, and then I have to get it through the door. And trust me, there is going to be some striving. Well, how do you, children, how do you think it would work if I would, we get the recliner, and I would carry it up the first set of stairs to our front yard, and I would leave the recliner in my front yard. Well, that might be nice right now. You know, it's getting to be fall, and Jess could sit there in a recliner in her front yard. Well, wintertime is coming, and our baby is coming in November, so what would happen? We'd be out there rocking the baby in the snow doesn't sound like a lot of fun. So I need to carry that recliner up on the front porch. Well, so we carry the recliner up on the front porch. Well, I don't want to jiggle it through the door. So we leave it on the front porch. Well, what would happen then? 
Well, it'd be a little better, but I'd still be on the front porch. And you know what we call people with recliners on the front porch? We call them rednecks. So um, um, anyway, so we all know the neighbor has a recliner on the front porch. But um, no, I need to strive, and I need to strive to completion. I have to get that recliner through the front porch, through the door. I have to get it in the living room. And then when our little baby comes, Jess will be able to sit in the recliner and rock the baby, and it'll work. But that's going to take a lot of work on my part. It's going to take some striving. And a lot of times in our Christian lives, we want the broad way. We leave the recliner on the front porch along with all of our neighbors around us, and we feel good about ourselves because all the neighbors have their recliners on the front porch until the wintertime comes. So Jesus is giving this picture of a small, a narrow gate. And I think oftentimes we just think of it's a restrictive gate. And there's an aspect of that. But there's also this aspect of striving. And I want to just drive that home that the Christian life is one of an ongoing struggle or battle to get through, um, rather than just let's do our thing and be restrictive. No, it's not restrictive. It's, it's a, we're battling to get through. Um, and then he goes on to talk about the words broad and narrow. And I do just want to unpack these two words. When you think of broad, you think easy, quick, um, and you know it's you know a broad road. There's not a lot of restrictions. We can just roll forward on it. When we think narrow, um, we think you know a very. If you're pressure washing, if you want to really get something clean, you turn that bead of water down so it's narrow. And we also think work. We think perseverance. And we also think failure. I think so often in our Christian lives, we think we have to live a life full of no failure. When you restrict and make things more difficult, there will be failure. So I want to give that encouragement that along with you know, a narrow path, you're going to slip. You're going to fall. But Jesus is there to pick us back up. A broad path, you never, you never slip and fall, but there's no growth. So moving on to the second point. So the first point is the Christian life takes work. The second point is a warning or a caution. And this is going to be 15 through 23. And... Really, this idea of just because the way is hard does not mean that we are on the right path. And I think this is such a common misconception and actually a real pitfall that Christians can fall into. And that's making, finding things that are difficult for the sake of being difficult and calling them of God. Yes, the Christian life is difficult, but we're not doing it because it's difficult. We're doing it because that's what we're called to do. 
So Jesus warns us against false prophets. And he says they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So then he talks about how do you know that they're ravenous wolves? And this is where it's interesting to me because previously in a lot of the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, we've talked about a lot of the inward things in our lives. So we're you know, talking about how Jesus changes who we are and it radiates out. And Jesus actually turns his teaching a little bit in his examples here and starts with saying, does a thorn bush grow figs? So he starts with the outward, and then he talks about the fruit, which is interesting because I think so oftentimes we are so focused on fruits that we forget that, you know, the outward matters. You know, we're not going to be a foul-mouthed Christian and say, well, that's just who he is on the outside. No, that exhibits who we are inside. So as we're looking at false, you know, for wolves in sheep clothing, um, you know, there are times when that outward matters and, um, you know, we can just see that bad, you know, certain things don't lead to other things. But then he moves on and talks about the seriousness of who we follow. And in verse 19, he uses the example of every tree, and this is an example we see constantly through the, Old or the New Testament, is the idea of what we bear, the fruits that we bear matter. And, you know, the idea of cutting it down and throwing it, and it is destroyed. And, you know, ultimately this is a, you know, metaphor for, or a warning against the fact that of the second, or, of the final coming of Christ and that, you know, ultimately we will be judged. But um, we are looking at the seriousness of, of this and also that individually we are held responsible for this. Um, and in 19, in 19, it talks about the good fruit and then in 21 through 23, it introduces this idea that there are going to be people who think that they are following Jesus, but have not are actually following something that is not of that. And so we have to be willing to, or we have to ultimately look at who are we following? Is it Jesus or is it a false prophet? And that that is a trap and it's a real trap and it's a sobering reality. So Again, just inviting us to think about that and letting that sink in. Are we on a broad road or are we on a narrow road? If we're on a narrow road, is it one that is following Jesus or is it one that is following something that claims to be Jesus but is not? And I think the beauty of this is Jesus doesn't leave us here. He gives us a solution for you know, this question. And that solution is in verse 24 through the end of the chapter. And I'm just going to reread this to refresh it in our minds. He tells another story, which just I think it's probably one of the 
stories that we all know, we learn as little children, but, um, but I'll just reread it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock, and the rains descend, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. How can we be confident that this picture we just talked about is not us? The simple answer is that we have a foundation of Jesus Christ. And that foundation is kind of, um, is everything that Jesus taught so far. And if we look, the very first words he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, what are those sayings? Those sayings are, for us, I would say, everything that he teaches, but for this group of people, when he was talking to him, he was directly saying the things that I have just said in the Sermon on the Mount. So I do think it's important for us to take extra special care when we're reading the Sermon on the Mount because he directly says, whoever hears these sayings of mine will be like this man who builds on the, house, on the rock. Um, and so what does it take to build on, the found, on a house that is on a rock? And that was something I, I was thinking about. Well, first off, we all know that you, know, you, ha you have to be on the rock. So we have to start making sure we're built on the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that often entails getting rid of the things that are in between us and the rock. So... You know, if it's sand, we have to be willing to dig down until we get to rock. And there also may be times where we have to move where we want to build our house. There are times that, you know, if we're on a beach, we can dig down all the way and we're not going to find it. So it takes building, you know, on something solid and it takes building in the right place. So if you want to think about that in the last couple verses we've talked about, number one, we have to be willing to do the work, and number two, we have to make sure that who we're following, we're not following false prophets. Um, and I just wanted to read a couple verses in James. I've been struck with James as I've read through the Sermon on the Mount, how much it parallels um, parallels this idea the Sermon on the Mount, and kind of just expounds on it. And so building takes doing. And so Jesus is saying, you know, we have to hear what he said, and then we have to do. And in James chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any one is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets the kind of man he was. 
but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. These verses were a real challenge to me as I just I thought about what we've studied over the last you know, months in Matthew and how easy it is to, be, to hear all this stuff and not have it change how I live my life. And the, the warning is we can hear all the right stuff, but then we have the other example of the man who built that house on the sand, and his fall was great. And I don't really need to spend a lot of time unpacking that. I think we all get the word picture in the story. But it is a striking contrast between those two. We have to both hear and do. So in closing, I wanted to unpack just a kind of what we've covered in the last few months and just kind of review that with this idea of we've heard. Now the challenge is to go and do. So in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, we learn that God wants to bless us and that those who serve him will receive a blessing. And as I talked about before, we've learned that those who serve him will impact the world around them. And then we also learn that Jesus, Jesus told, taught us he came to fulfill the law and through him, we act differently because we are changed from within the inside, and that radiates out, impacts every way of our lives. It impacts how we treat our wives, how we treat our husbands, and it elevates those, calling, those rules of the law to a new level that we can only fulfill through him. We can only act in that way through him. And then chapter 7, we talked about Life is messy, and it's hard, and that even with a changed part, we have to live out the teachings, and that takes a lot of work, and there's a lot of draw to take the easy way out, but we have to be willing to put in the work, and we also have to be building on the right teachings, not the teachings of man, but of Jesus, and Ultimately, we have to make sure that we are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The last two verses of this chapter are also striking. And it says, And so it was when Jesus ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And I want to leave you with this word, astonished. And like many words that are in the Bible, it's a translation of a different word that has its own unique meaning. And this word, astonished, comes from the word ekatos, which I'm not saying correctly, I'm sure, but it has the idea of amazed to the point of overwhelm. And 
the thing I always think of with that is the idea of trying to, almost trying to drink from a fire hose, where you've had so much information and it's so good, but it's such a flood, it's almost hard to process right away. And that was the way the people around him were feeling initially. And, you know, that's fine. But at some point, you have to take that amazement and you have to transform or turn that into doing. And so my prayer and my hope for each of us is that we can be doers and not only hearers of the word. Um, and that's the challenge that I'll leave to you and close with um, for this study of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I will, yeah, I'll open it up for any comments. So anything that stood out to you or anything you want to share with the church.